Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the teen, your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low and your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you doing, Lorenzo? Wonderful. Wonderful. Always wonderful. It's yeah. All, it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lie, I tell oh, I'm you. I'm fine. I'm just, ah, I, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Stressful times we live in. Um, do we have any news for the week? No, I mean, we... I fell out of my chair this week and broke a lamp. <laughs> I know you want to talk about that? Oh, my God, a horrible. A very expensive lamp. <laughs> I wasn't going to get into that part of it. I don't even know how it happened. I was... It was late. I was actually... It was like midnight, and I decided to go to my desktop to read Yellow Jackets reviews. This was on Sunday night. Because uh, I was sitting in a chair with my laptop. Because, of course, we are just attached to our computers 24-7. Right. We're basically cyborgs at this point. And my desk chair is not a chair. It is basically a stool. It's good for my lower back and everything. It's for, you know, if I, if I sat in a traditional desk chair, it would not be great for me because I spend so much time at a desk all day. So we got, I got this chair a while ago. It has no arms. The seat is like a bicycle seat, basically. It's like a banana bicycle seat that you straddle and you hold yourself steady. <laughs> Um, using your feet on the floor. No, you put true. your feet flat on the floor and that's how you, you know, and it's, I have gotten used to it I, and I really don't mind working in it. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but then again, it's not supposed to be because it is supposed to, you know, it's not a chair you're supposed to sit in for eight hours at a time. So it forces me to get up and it's been a good thing all around, but I don't normally sit in it at midnight. Um, and I was sitting there and I guess I just got drowsy. And the next thing, like I said, there's no arms or anything. You're basically balancing yourself on this thing. And I tipped over. Um, and all I can think that that I must've done is that I must have flailed around as I went down. And, um, when I finally pulled myself up off the floor, um, the, my drinking glass was about five feet from where it had been seated (laughs) and in the middle of what was a ceramic um, Jonathan Adler. Very expensive. Uh, lamp. It had smashed into the lamp. I think I hit my hand, you know, I was like flailing around. All of this was done basically in my sleep. Right. Um, so I came I, running. I didn't wake up until I hit the floor. Yeah, and I came running. Which it was is on the, the other side of the apartment. disorienting thing. Yeah. And actually it was why... <laughs> I'm not kidding. For like a full 12 to 24 hours afterwards, I kept unpacking it. Like, and I'm not being funny here. I was like, did I have a seizure or something? I really need to unpack what happened there because it was so disorienting. But I really, I did. I spent a lot of time unpacking. And I really was just sound asleep. Mm-hmm. And I woke up by literally right. smacking my right. face into the So the I was on the other floor. side of the, the uh, our place. And um, I, Tab came, like she ran our out. Cat, yeah. He just came running towards me i was like what happened he wouldn't come near me for like two days and i heard this crashing noise like you know like like i don't know like shelves were collapsing or something it was just very loud sound so i i ran towards the uh living room and i was like oh my god what happened and then i looked at you on the floor i'm like are you okay and then i looked to the left i was like no the lamp (laughs) yeah it was terrible i still feel terrible it is like easily the most expensive thing i've ever broken in my life <laughs> um so i feel i feel really bad about that anyway but I, i'm glad you're fine i'm bruised my the side of my face still hurts i'm not literally bruised i, I even said that the next day i was like I'm, I'm actually pretty lucky that i didn't turn purple but um my face is actually still sore and um my i landed on my elbow i landed on my arm and my face Ow. so my elbow and my 
It's just weird. Just one of those weird things. And I was like, God damn, I hate that this is how the year started off with something stupid like so this. So lesson learned here. If you're falling asleep, do not watch a movie on your chair. I wasn't watching a movie. You keep saying that. Were well, you watching something, weren't you? I yeah. was reading Oh, okay. Something. Well, if you're falling asleep, go to bed. Well, that, I shouldn't be at my desk that late at night. That's the big story of this week. Anyway, we once again rambled about something silly that I nobody know. cares about. Sorry about that. Uh, we are going to get into some pop culture stuff later in the podcast. We'll do our check-in on the gals of And Just Like That. Um, we have some thoughts about the latest episode. It's Some are good, some are bad. Uh, but And we're also going to get into the SAG Award nominations, um, just a few of them, mainly just the acting nominations, because there were some surprises there, and we kind of want to unpack right, a few right. things. Um, briefly, I just wanted to talk about some television shows that I have watched and not talked about, and you don't watch them. This is a nerd mm-hmm. moment, so if you don't want to hear my nerd thoughts on Star Trek or <laughs> The Book of Boba Fett or Peacemaker... Um, cause I'm just checking off the nerd trifecta there. Star Trek, Star Wars, and comic books, you know, superheroes. So I'm not going to go into a lot here. I just, for those of you who are listening, who are into that stuff, who are, who do tend to watch those kinds of shows, could you please tell me, is it me or are all these shows really mediocre? Oh, except for Peacemaker. I'll get to that in a second. But is Star Trek Discovery not just getting more mediocre with each episode? And for the first time, I... Since this show has launched for the first time, I am way behind. I'm like three episodes behind at least um, because I literally just turned off an episode halfway through. I was just so bored with it. Um, I'm so bored uh, with this series and I keep thinking it's going to improve and it just seems to spin its wheels um, and for some reason, it's really, really developed this idea that a Star Trek show should be this emotional melodrama. Um and I don't think that's what a Star Trek show should be at all. Uh, and I, that's the part about it. That all these like long, you know, darkly lit rooms where they people talk, whisper about their feelings to each other. <laughs> and I'm just like, could we please blow something up? Could we get into a fight with some Klingons or something? Like, isn't this what we're here for? <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't want to. I I actually have sang the praises of that show for a really long time have, uh, back yeah. when the Trek fans were hating it. Um. But I can't anymore. I'm just, this is, it never took off. It never, even now, it like, it launched itself 900 years in the future. It could have done anything. And it's still, they're just still whispering in rooms about their feelings. Um, I'm serious. That's the show. <laughs> to me, that's the show. Oh uh, Book of Boba Fett. Oh oh Lord, God. what a waste of time and money that is. I just don't <laughs> see the point. I don't see the point. Um, this character is not interesting. And they haven't built an interesting story around him. Um, and it's just, oh, look, Tatooine again. Like, they haven't returned to that planet how many times and how many different Star Wars, you know, franchises. I had to look it up. I had no idea. What the oh, book of Boba Fett yeah, was? What that was. It's uh, related to The Mandalorian, which you did watch. It does look like him, right? Yes. And I'm not even going to explain to you why. <laughs> it's just would get into too much. Um, but the success of The Mandalorian is what made them bring this because they are related to each other and i don't know is it me am i wrong or have they just rung this dry 
why are you still returning to Luke's home planet? Like, can't we do something else in this massive universe you have created? That was sort of what The Mandalorian in its first season right. felt like it was doing, right. where it was like picking up the pieces of a mythos. And going other places. And wandering right? yeah. through it into into its corners and whatever. But then the second season became about, well, how can we tie it into various animated properties? And how can we bring you know Luke Skywalker in at the end? And I immediately my interest plum i mean i'm gonna watch it when the third season drops although I, if they don't have baby yoda i'm gonna be really upset anyway book of boba fett am i wrong anyone watching this what what do people think because i'm not feeling it um <laughs> and then finally peacemaker dropped yesterday on um on uh, hbo max peacemaker is the dc comics character portrayed by john cena in um he was in the Suicide Squad this past year. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So they gave him a spinoff show, and um, I don't love the character. I didn't love him in the Suicide Squad, although I got to give him, a, as an actor, a lot of credit. I just read a review. I think it was Seppenwall in Rolling Stone who said uh, that he is actually a better actor than Dwayne Johnson, and it's true. Ooh. Yes. Interesting. Uh, he's got a lot more facility with words. He can do a lot of verbal play. He can do a lot of rapid fire uh -huh. stuff. Like um, Dwayne Johnson, as successful as he is. And I do think he's a movie star. I find him enjoyable to watch. Like I thought the Jumanji films were really fun. Mm -hmm. um, is the character supposed to be... Wait, let me be... finish. And But um, Dwayne Johnson is... He's all charisma, and and um, when you watch John Cena, it's like, well, he's he's actually got technique down. He's done some work to learn uh -huh. how to speak like an actor, how to you know deliver his lines like an actor. So he is fun to watch. The show is unbelievably violent. It's that kind of wow. show. Well, yeah, I mean, Suicide Squad was the same way. So I mean, you shouldn't be surprised to, to find, but. I tore through the first three episodes last night. I was like, let me watch the first one. I'm not really feeling this. I didn't think this character needed the spinoff. And next thing I knew, I'd watched all three episodes. If no other reason, you should watch it just for the opening credits because the entire cast does a choreographed dance number to this like 80s hair metal band for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> except James Gunn, the creator, said he didn't want people to hit the skip intro button. And sure enough, every time I was like, no, I'm not skipping this. I'm going to watch, watch it. I have to watch this now. Um, oh, John Cena's in his underwear, like through most, like, oh, I'd say 40% of the oh, first three episodes. I definitely have to watch now. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to leave now. Yeah. Um, is the character or the costume supposed to be that goofy? That is a literal recreation of what the guy really? wears in the comics. Oh my exactly, God, right down to the toilet bowl on his head. Um, but I mean, I, I would only recommend this for hardcore people or for people who want to see John Cena in his underwear. There you go. Um, like me. But it was fun. James Gunn does do this sort of irreverent uber violence really well. So uh, I was actually surprised to like that. Okay, that's my nerdetry. Mm -hmm. Done. Done and done. Um, I just want to mention one show on Netflix uh, very quickly. I wasn't going to put you on the spot, but no, I was hoping no, no, you were going to jump I, in. I, I don't want to talk too much about it. But anyway, it's The Girl from Oslo. It's a fantastic show on Netflix. Uh, it's supposed to be like top 10 show on, in many countries. Uh, it's about a Norwegian, is a Norwegian uh, Israeli slash Israeli show. Uh, it's a, about a Norwegian uh, diplomat who travels to the Middle East to save her daughter because her daughter was abducted so that's all i would say because otherwise i'll be giving stuff away but it's really well done um 
I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for any show in Israel. <laughs> I watch all of them. I just love them. I love the language, love to listen to the language, but it's really well done. Uh, I couldn't stop watching it. it it's, it's a very good show. So if you're into that kind of show, um, I, I highly recommend it. That's called The Girl from Oslo in, on Netflix. Excellent. I knew you would bring something brainy go. into it, something brainy and international, now that I got the toilet humor out of the way. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the SAG Awards, um, only because um, I thought there were some interesting omissions that are worth discussing. Uh, let's just go down, let's start with supporting actor. Right. I will um, read out the nominees, which are Ben Affleck at the Tender Bar, at the Tender Bar, like it's a place you go to. Ben Affleck in the Tender Bar, Bradley Cooper in Licorice Pizza, Troy Kotzer, I think his name is pronounced, in Coda, Jared Leto, House of Gucci, and Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog. My understanding is a lot of critics are pleasantly surprised that Troy Kotzer got nominated. I haven't seen Coda. It's on Apple TV Plus. I'm, I'm planning yeah, on catching some of these films. I'm catching this weekend, like um, the uh, the tragedy of Macbeth dropped on Apple TV Plus today, and everyone okay. is amazing. So yeah. I'm, I'm catching that right. tonight. With oh, we have our new colored lights. I'm going to set know. them to oh the movie God. theater oh, yeah. setting. Ah. He is obsessed with his Love lights. It. So we just got more lights. If yeah. you're all about ambiance and lighting, let me tell you, man, those, and this is not a paid thing. Those, no, no, those hue lights are amazing. You anyway, them. no, no, no. Yeah, no. you wanted them for a long time, but we, no, we, no, anyway, we're not doing you this. got them and no, he loves them. No, back to SAG Awards, <laughs> focus. Yes. Um, okay, so Good news for Tor Kotzer and Coda. I am going to watch that this weekend. Uh, haven't seen Ben at the Tender Bar, but I understand it is great. We have a screener. We have Again, a screener. We have a boy. Gonna... Like, I, like I said in the last uh, podcast, there are so many movies, and they're sending right. us all that stuff because I guess because of COVID, people can't go out. Um, but we're getting a ton of screeners, and it's just a lot of great movies. Right. Uh, There's um, just so, a lot. Yeah. Um, Cody Smith-McPhee, I would think... Uh, first off, I'm not surprised to see him nominated, and I actually think he is a lock for a Best Supporting Actor um, nomination for the Oscars. Right. In fact, that's kind of our focus of this part of the conversation. We're not going to do a whole thing on the SAG Awards. We're more interested in what the SAG Awards foretell about the Oscar nominations. Um, Jared Leto. I cannot believe that oh got my God, nominated. I can't believe that he got nominated. Just... That infuriates me because it is, it is the, the typical situation. You put on you you know a suit, a fat suit or whatever. You put on a fat suit. You, you get nominated. Yeah, put fake some nose. makeup on, and and then oh my God, wow, what an incredible job! Now, Let's if they had him. put a fat, bald, middle-aged Italian actor in that role, he probably wouldn't have gotten nominated. No, not at all. Oh my God, and let this guy go. He's horrible. He's not a good actor. Anyway, um, I, I yeah. just, it's so the kind of performance that gets nominated because it's just really showy and the costumes Which are unforgettable pathetic. and there's no subtlety whatsoever to it's, the performance. It's pathetic because they're, they're like actors nominating these people, right? It's, it's, they're it's the screen actors. Go, yeah. yeah. So aren't you embarrassed? I mean, seriously. I guess they, I don't know. I, I mean, he did it. He did the work. It was I. I often return to this because it's probably the best example I can think of for this style of acting, which is um, Gillian Anderson doing Margaret Thatcher on The Crown, where it was just so right. like she was so doing an acting exercise in front of all of us. Like, look at how I can transform but, but she myself. Could act, but she could act, and she didn't use prosthetics to do it. But I understand the idea of other actors being impressed with this performance because it is 
how no matter how silly it was, and it was silly, it was he acted down to his fingertips like he in, inhabited a totally fully created character that was very far from who he is as a person. That character was ludicrous, but I on a from a technical level I don't love the performance, but from a technical level I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a certain adeptness to be able to to, to literally transform yourself and I'm not talking about the prosthetics. His his body language, his vocal affect, everything, his ridiculous Luigi and Mario accent. Although you said he probably had the closest to an Italian. No, no, I speaking English. I, let me correct that because he does the vowels at the end of the it. The thing is that he, you know, he's he's with Gucci, so I'm sure he's in Europe all the time, and he's I'm sure he speaks talks to a lot of Italians. Yeah, he speaks to a lot of Italians. I'm quite sure. So he he his accent was more like what people in you know I don't know around Gucci at the right, office right, or whatever right. would would speak sort of that mix of English and Italian. And right. They they know English, so that the, the Italian is kind of. A mix right, uh, right, right. when they talk. Anyway, that's that. That's what I meant. Uh, I'm. He really, sounded like Italian fashion people to you, right? Trying exactly. to speak English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm really surprised that, uh, but not surprised and not surprised that Bradley Cooper uh, got nominated. It's for, a really showy part. He is hysterical in it, and um, he's very funny. He he's been dancing around getting you know getting that oscar you know that acting oscar right. for a really long time and and the academy like i'm well i'm we're jumping into the academy but his peers like him his right. acting peers right. like him and he is getting to that point where they're just going to want to give him just give the man his right. acting Oscar. And what I like, I mean, I'm not crazy about him, but I, I, I thought he did. A, I even turned to you while, while I was watching uh, Midnight Alley. Um, yeah. Mid, not Midnight. Is yeah, Midnight no? Nightmare no, Alley. No, Nightmare Alley. Um, and I turned to you and I said, wow, he's doing a really good he's job. He's really good in it. Um, and he's very funny in uh, Licorice uh, yeah. uh, Pizza. Uh, he's a very serious actor yes, yes. who has uh, made a lot of allies and friends in the industry. So he's uh, this nomination does not surprise me. And I don't no. necessarily think it's undeserved. I actually laughed a lot because he's very funny. And, and he's one of these actors that... Um, those actors that they they they're not afraid to be to look stupid, dumb, or, right, or right, you know right. goofy or whatever. And he's all that. Um, I found I'm a was little funny. surprised to see Jamie Dornan for Belfast not being nominated right. here, just because right. he has been working to charm people on this right. on this awards campaign and that he he's been good. on. And also Karen Hines, who played uh, the grandfather in the Belfast, right. who was excellent. The right. the. The cast got an ensemble nomination, but those those men were not, and surprisingly, Judy Dench was not. But but we get Jackass uh, Jared Leto. So. Uh, I know. So uh, instead, because it's showy, and because he has again, that's someone who's been in the industry a long time, has a lot of peers and allies and co-stars who will vote for him because he's just you know been glad handing for two decades, three decades. Anyway, what am I saying? All I right. hope Cody gets it because <clears throat> he was. Me. Because he was amazing. He was uh, really, really great. Good. Supporting actress. Moving on to Katrina Balfe in Belfast, Kate Blanchett in Nightmare Alley, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and Ruth Nega in Passing. I got to say... They're all amazing. Yeah, I have no problem with <laughs> any of these. Any amazing. of these at all. Yeah. These are all very deserving. I don't even think there's a lot of... Um, uh, I know that I'll, the only one I can think, I mean, I haven't seen King Richard again. It's one that we have a, a screener for, but a lot of critics were saying that Ingenue Ellis, who was so fantastic in Love Current mm -hmm. Country, uh, that she should have been nominated in this category. Um, aside from that, I, some people thought that Meryl Streep in, no, in Don't Look Up. No. 
Absolutely not. No. 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 Uh, no. <laughs> so actually, I really don't have a lot of... Um, no. And it has to be Kirsten Dunst, please. Yeah. The, the woman was amazing. I... I don't know. Yes, I want it to be Kirsten Dunst because that woman deserves every award that she can get nominated for. She has gone without awards for far too long. On the other hand, Katrina was great in Belfast. She was fantastic. She was was such a movie star turn. I was... uh, I was a huge fan of Outlander, and I watched uh, the beginning of Outlander, and you know, until I was chased by crazy people yes. and stopped watching and and you know, hiding in the closet and never touching Outlander again. But so I didn't really get to see her acting a lot. But watching Belfast, I was like, wow! I yeah. Again, I turned to you and I said, well, she can really act. She's she a movie really, star, really, really good, and she's got charisma out the wazoo, and she's beautiful. Not that that manages matters to her um, awards, like, but yeah, actually, it does. Um, I also think Ruth Naggett did oh, amazing Ruth work in passing, and I haven't seen West Side Story yet, but uh, I, from everything I've read, it doesn't surprise me that Ariana DeBose is nominated. Kate Blanchett is great in Nightmare Alley, but it is a cartoon performance. Yes, it is a cartoonish She's yeah, like one of those femme fatales yeah. from a Looney Tunes cartoon, where they would, you know, like draw Lauren Bacall in a Looney Tunes cartoon. So that's basically what she was. She was a cartoon of Lauren Bacall. It was fun to watch as a pastiche performance. It was a lot of fun. But, and I, you know, I'm not mad she got nominated, but I would not want to see her win this. No, I'm, I'm, I would prefer Kirsten, obviously, because I worship that movie, but they're all great. They all deserve the nomination. These ladies are fantastic. Yeah, uh, I can't argue yeah. with any of this. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break uh, from talking about these because there's something else I can't uh, argue with, which is Every Plate's Meal Plan, which is yeah. fantastic. Always Ex- nominated. And always, always nominated winning. in our home, always wins for dinner <laughs> in our home. Experience Full Plates and Fuller Wallets with America's best value meal kit. Whether you want to save time and money, learn to cook or eat well, Every Plate makes sticking to your New Year's resolution easy. This year, give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. Even at full price, every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, making it easier to save money. Meal planning can feel like like one more item on an endless to-do list. Every plate provides easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-proportioned ingredients so you can spend less time prepping and cooking and more time enjoying good food with family or loved ones. Think of it this way. One meal from every plate is about the same as same price as one cup of coffee that is a value especially when you compare it to other meal plans which can get very expensive every plate cuts out trips to the grocery store and stressful meal planning so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes let every plate plan shop and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins veggies and sides to your liking every plate makes it easy and affordable to cook hearty delicious family pleasing meals and i know every time we've used every plate um it's been great because lorenzo's a vegetarian and i'm not and we right. can tailor our, our choices right, 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 you know right. to make sure that we're we're both getting what we want each week um we and also talk a lot about ingredients which i think is important you know things are so expensive now i mean you go shopping they're so expensive and shopping is so stressful right so now. stressful right now so getting the exact amount exactly of what, what you need uh is perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. uh we you know it, it just yeah, it, it makes sense. I agree. It just makes sense. So try every plate for just one seventy nine per meal. 
by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO179. That's up to $104 value. Once again, that's every plate for just $179 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO179. Thank you, Everyplate. Okay, now we're going to get into the acting nominations. Yes. Javier Bardem, this is uh, Best Actor, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. It's kind of hard for me to call this one because I haven't seen uh, Denzel yet, and he is such a powerhouse actor. Yeah, but it has to be Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm bias here obviously but yeah i think it's probably down to cumberbatch and denzel washington but i know a lot of people are pushing for will smith to finally get awards recognition so i don't know we're just talking about the politics of it at this right. point well, about yeah that's how who we would yeah. give it to don't believe javier bardem i it was a fine enough performance but um it wasn't I, no i would give it great. to his yeah. any of his co-stars like i wish jk simmons and nina arianda had been right nominated, had been nominated. Yeah. um uh andrew garfield i just want to say i'm pleased to see that that uh role get this kind of recognition and i would love to see him ride it to an oscar nomination you haven't seen tick tick boom yet but I was really charmed by mm-hmm. it. And I realized that charm is not uh, a reason to give someone an acting award. But um, it's one of those performances where he is just turned fully on in every scene. He doesn't waste a syllable. He doesn't waste a facial expression. Uh, and it's very theatrical because that's exactly, exactly what the role and the movie required. And charming as hell i i could have taken or leaving andrew garfield before this i think i know a lot of people he's got his fans but i you know whatever i don't i can't really point to any but he really charmed the hell out of me and again uh it felt like a star turn it, mm-hmm. you just couldn't take your eyes off that's, him. that every review i read it says the same thing that yeah it's dialed up to a like a hundred and he and never it, lets yeah. his foot off the pedal yeah. he's yeah. just the entire time um not that it's intense but it is theatrical, and um, he's just really good. It's He's just really, really good in it. So I don't know necessarily that he deserves to win, um, but I would like to see him continue to... I Like I said, I'd love to see that get an Oscar nomination right. for him, because uh, that role, it's not one of the louder, showier roles uh, of the year. Um, it sometimes slips between the cracks when people are talking about best stuff of the year, but um, it stuck with me. And I look back fondly, like I can... I can just picture him in that role, and and I feel good about how good he was in that role. Interesting, mm. uh, but uh, as it stands, I would give it to Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh I, God, that was yeah, uh, unbelievably incredible. Um, just amazing performance. Not an unexpected. I mean, to me at least, you know, that I didn't expect him to go there and be. Yeah, up to now, I always said he was terrible different. playing Americans. I always hated when he played Americans. Right. But um, love the movie. I, I think I've watched it like ten times. I love the movie. Yeah. Um, as far as who might have been overlooked, I know some people have said Peter Dinklage and Cyrano, which I, I haven't seen, but I don't really. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't. I can't. Right. Say. We can't say. I yeah. can't say. But I, I don't feel like his name has come up all that much. You tell us. You tell us. Again, we have a screener. We're going to have to. Yeah, we're gonna have to Oscars, educate yeah. ourselves before the Oscar nominee. Yes, yeah, it's very true. All right, Best Actress: Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye; Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter; Lady Gaga, House of Gucci; Jennifer Hudson, Respect; Nicole Kidman, Being the Ricardos. Okay, 
Okay. Mm. Um, the big story here is, for us at least, that Kristen Stewart is not among these no, nominees. and that is shocking. Um, I don't understand that at all. I mean, that was one of the most critically yes. acclaimed performances yes. of the year. Every yes. critic, every film festival just put it up there as one of the greats. Um, we said all along that she was going to ride this to award season. So I, I'm actually really surprised. And a, lo- a lot of people yes, were surprised. I don't understand. Yeah. But by that. Um, like it's over- notable. Like four out of the five nominees are um, uh, playing or biopics, playing iconic people. Tammy Faye Baker. Um, well, Patricia Reggiani isn't iconic, but um, Aretha Franklin. But it's and a real person. Lucille Ball. Yeah. They're all in biopics, so it's really strange to see that you know this Diana. Right, it's a Diana right, right. biopic now, and this critically acclaimed one. Strange. I don't know. And I did float this. I'm just saying. Is this a gay thing? I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I mean, the Oscars don't nominate uh, openly gay actors all that often. I think it's been 20 some odd years since Ian McKellen was nominated. 22 or 23? That is 20 years. That is really fucked since up. Since Return of the case. King. Anyway. So I don't know. I don't want, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, I, <clears throat> I'm, well, let me talk about Jessica Chastain. I watched the movie, um, was not impressed with the movie. In fact, I mentioned on Twitter that Andrew uh, Garfield, you barely noticed him. Um, I guess he was busy doing something else uh, and not focused on the movie. Um, she's good, and and it stuck it's with me. It's a showy performance. It's a showy performance, uh, kind of biased in a way. I mean, the movie, the whole movie. Oh, they try and rehabilitate. They, they try so to much. make her look nice and be a nice look, like a you know she had a good side, and um, they pushed the whole AIDS thing with the television interviewing the guy and right, all that. Right. Um, her performance is good, and and like I said, stuck with me. I. I kept thinking about it i don't know if i'd nominate her i mean if i have to choose obviously uh i would have nominated kristen stewart not her yeah kristen yeah. stewart over that I, I and again um i when yeah jessica's was a very showy performance and i think i think kristen's was a little too subtle maybe because i don't think it was that showy it's melodramatic she's swanning all over that place and you know but it has more to do with the movie it's more about her interiority right. it's so more the movie it's, than her performance yeah, yeah um so it didn't allow her these big grandiose scenes because that was the whole point the, the poor woman couldn't express herself um now olivia coleman i also watched the uh she's a lot for an oscar nomination let me tell you she's amazing is, first of all i was so impressed with the whole movie uh, uh just beautiful movie uh, about motherhood, uh, uh, you know, presented in a way that you don't always see. I don't want to give anything away, but it's you don't see motherhood presented that way in in, in films and in television shows right. in general. It was just amazing. I was just so pleased, uh, and her performance is just incredible. And uh, you know, you say, "Oh well, she's always great." Yeah, she's always great. But it was very, very, very good. Really, yeah, yeah. really good. Um, um, loved it. Loved it. Um, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Yeah. God. Well, we did say she was the best thing in the yeah, film. But she that, carried the whole film yes, on her back. But that doesn't mean she deserves a nomination. Um, uh, but again, of course she's going to get nominated. It's showy as hell. It, it's all about cash. You know, it's yeah. all about, you know, how many Instagram followers you have these days. <laughs> I think it's a little more. Uh, no, I, whatever. Whatever. But I, it's just, uh, no. It's, no. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't rate it alongside Olivia Coleman um, or uh, Kristen Stewart or even Nicole Kidman's work this year, but whatever. It's a showy part. Um, and 
as I said when we talked about the film, she was one of the few cast members, and I would argue that Jared Leto was probably the other one, who understood what the movie was supposed to be and worked on it. The rest of them were just all starring in different movies. The bottom line to me is that I don't know how you can get nominated, you know, for anything doing that horrible, phony, embarrassing accent. Meet the ball uh, accent. The Italian. Oh, my God. I can't believe you, you'd be even nominated for something like that. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Know. Anyway, so that's, that's where it is. Um, Jennifer Hudson, I haven't seen Respect. We Again, seen it's it. on our pile of screeners. Going to try and work our way through it this week. Could be could be worthy. Don't know. Um, although, I, kn- I know the... Um, the nomination caught a lot of critics off guard. They weren't expecting. She is another name that has not come up all that much in the critical conversation. So who knows? Uh, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. Got to say, she's on lock for that Oscar. She is. She's probably going to win. She's on lock for frontrunner status now. That's what everyone is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, again, uh, so much of this is political. She has 30 some odd years of um, high-end career behind her. She starred in... She starred with everybody in Hollywood. She's worked with every director. She has right. glad-handed, and not only that, I mean, she's won a ton of awards over the years. She impressed me since day one. That movie, the TV she plays, I don't know if it's her first movie, but one of her first movies, she plays a TV reporter. Uh, to Die For? Yeah. Thank you. I was impressed with her since then. I mean, yeah. she's she's good. And she's playing Lucille Ball, who is an iconic figure, and uh, Hollywood loves... Um, Movies about Hollywood figures. Yes. So yeah. Uh, yeah. both for the SAG Award and for the Oscars, she yeah she's front runner status. She's gonna um, win. I know this surprised a lot of people because uh, there was so much controversy because she does not look like Lucille Ball. Um, but I rated her as one of my favorite performances of the year when we did our year end list. I rated it as one of my favorite movies of the year. So I'm happy to see it, and we'll see if she wins another Oscar. I just hope we have. Um, a full-blown Oscar campaign with lots of photo calls and red carpets between now and then right. because I'm tired yes, of there yes, not being any red yes, carpets yes, right yes, now. Yes. Put your masks on and go put on a nice gown. Um, that's it. I don't have more to say about that. Um, like you start getting into the cast nominations and it's all, you know, there's too many films that I, well, ugh, the cast for Don't Look Up, no. <laughs> Although Melanie Linsky, I would give it to her over I'd say else. Belfast for uh, by a cast. Uh, we'll Performance see. by a cast, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's it. it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, let us know what you think about some of these nominations, Please what you do. think about, uh, the likelihood of this year's Oscars looking like, um, and whether you think Kristen Stewart really was snubbed, um, or whether say Jamie Dornan was snubbed. I definitely think Kristen Stewart was snubbed. That one. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I, she doesn't have to win. I know I probably sound biased because we've been talking about this role since, right. you know, this, how right she was for it since the minute she was cast. But it's just so strange. Someone that critically acclaimed with, you know, that much praise for her performance behind and it. And it was such a, a showy performance. Right. And we're talking about a nomination here. She doesn't have to win. But come on, not even nominate her. Yeah, yeah. that's just crazy. Just Yeah, I never predicted that she would win because I think that would be a hard thing for her. Um, but... I always thought she'd get nominated for an Oscar and definitely for a SAG award. So this is strange to me. You know what else is strange to me? And just like that. And just like that. We're going to segue into our discussion of Carrie and her fucked up friends this week. The old people show. The old people show. The grim old people (laughs) show. I said on Twitter this week, and I stand by this, that uh, the Golden Girls uh, portrayed a more well-rounded view of... 
uh, mature womanhood than this. And they look healthier, healthier, grim <laughs> as shit. Life is a series of humiliations oh and disappointment. Like that's it's just the worst. Anyway, I didn't actually mind this week's episode. It's the one where Carrie goes on her first date, and all since her husband died. And all this season, I knew it was coming because we featured the pictures on pictures, our site yeah. when they were shooting on but location. But who knows? I mean, they were doing fake pictures, so... Fair. But I, I, everyone assumed that, what's the point yeah. of having a Carrie right. Bradshaw show if she's not going to eventually start dating? So they did what I'm not too surprised to see. They basically jumped ahead of here so we could skip all the messy stuff about, just like they did with her hip replacement surgery. We're just going to skip all the messy stuff and she's walking in heels. Well, they, I left my ass off the opening montage of her writing that book. I know. I it's know. so. I know. I, interesting I have to bring it up. Yeah. Coming back to Carrie Bradshaw, like when we watched the show uh, twenty some odd years ago, twenty to twenty five years ago, uh, I was not a working writer, and I wasn't really entertaining serious thoughts of it at the time. So their version of what it's like to be a writer was, I just accepted it, and now. Like, I laugh so hard at that month. Like, she just stares dreamily out a window, and then the seasons change, and oh, she yeah. has a book. And I kept thinking, okay, fine, whatever. But I would find it so much more interesting if it was they showed at least one scene where it was like four o'clock in the morning and she's pacing back and forth in front of the computer and yelling at or whatever. All the lights on like you did. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Just this idea that she has her makeup on in every shot in the montage and it's just dreamy. And I had a laugh. It's fine. It's not like they got that's exactly how they always used to show Carrie writing. She just, you know, it just. Right. Gently, gently tapping at a keyboard, <laughs> and her thoughts yeah. come out perfectly. Instead of like the yelling at yourself and pounding on the keys and, and pacing that, back and forth, the and part where she talks to the uh, publisher was uh, funny. It was funny because it's true. This whole we were thing never about- treated that way by our publisher. But at, when the scene started, and I was like, "Is this?" And I'm like, mm, "No, this isn't actually all that far fetched." I think that no, probably this would happen the way it the would whole happen. thing about it happens so often. I mean, it happens with our first book like oh i love your book but yeah this is the idea i have yeah let's take it in a completely, completely different direction different, yeah, yeah i mean it, oh my god yeah i have so many memories of all that stuff you know um it does happen so yes i they got carried to start dating which we knew was going to happen and all along i was like all right i know this is sort of almost the point of the show but i really do have a hard time with the idea of carrie dating um she was with Big for 25 years on and off, and it was the love of her life. I, I, I didn't believe that she would date so quickly. This is prior to right. watching the episode. Right. It was my thoughts on right. how are they going to get it. But they actually did. They they gave it a conceit that actually made a little bit of sense. First I, off, it's a year later. Right. Uh, supposedly. And um, secondly, it her, her publisher suggested it as an right. epilogue to the book. What really sold that to me was, because I was like, that's really far-fetched. And then she got to the part where... Um, Oprah Book Club, and yeah, I was yeah, like, "Oh yeah, as an author, I would agree to go yeah, on a date. Yeah, of course, I would cheat on my husband if Oprah Book Club. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, no, that whole makes as sense. A, as a writer, when uh, when they bring in Oprah Book Club, you're like, fine, what, what, yeah, what do I tell need me to what do? I need to do? Uh, I also thought the 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 date itself, the restaurant scene, was was great. I mean, it was it was kind of okay. Um, it's you know, there's been talk. Uh, you know, Alex Bad Santos, who is a great writer for. Um, Vox wrote a piece last week uh, on the show about, and he sort of took a different tack. He is younger than us, so I, I think that may have something to do with it. But it came out right about the same time we did the podcast last week, where we talked about 
how it's such a grim version of right. of uh, middle age and that it's being written by people younger than that age. And maybe that's not the best way to look at it. Uh, but he looked at it as a series of humiliations um, foisted upon characters who have always been humiliated um, and have always got back up again and some blah, blah, blah. But, and uh, the one example that I think he cited, but I've seen cited m- once or twice before when people talk about how these characters keep wind up in these humiliating situations and they always say, well, remember when Her- um, Carrie tripped and fell on a runway in front of all those people in a pair of underwear? Right. And... I thought, I'm like, yeah, okay, that is a humiliating situation, but, like, literally five seconds later, she got a standing ovation, Heidi Klum was high-fiving her, and then she was dancing in her closet at the end of the episode. Like, the point to that is they always put the characters in these cringeworthy situations, but then they there was always some triumphant, uplifting thing at the end. Well, they moved on to something else, but now it feels like, okay, here's a lesson you have to learn. And they wallow Uh, in their humiliation. Right. And there's no sense of humor in any of it anymore. Um... That's the part that I I truly have a problem with is that it's so grim. Yes, the characters always did things where you just. Cr- I always think about uh, Miranda on the date where she had the chocolate all over her. I teeth. know you always talk about that. <laughs> or the one where Miranda got really drunk because the guy she was dating was so good looking she couldn't handle it. I love my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was that was the um, trainer. That was the trainer who. Uh, Liked her because she was so shy at the gym, and then she oh, started yeah, yeah. acting oh all God. confident, she and he didn't like her. Awesome, man. Yeah, they, they ruined her. So I'm fine with these characters in these cringe-worthy, cringe-worthy situations. I'm even revisiting last week's conversation. I might even be talked into. Yes, Charlotte would knock on apartment doors looking for a black person to invite to her dinner party, but there's just been so much of these humiliations it, piled it, right, on them, right, right. one right after another, and there's very little sense of joy there's in no break any in of between, them. Yes. Uh, there's no sense of humor about it. It's just grim. It's just grim. But to return to Carrie's date, I actually laughed. I did think it was funny that they both got so drunk and threw up outside the restaurant. I mean, maybe that's grim, but they actually, it felt like old school sex in the city because this disastrous thing happened and she didn't get like a happy, happy, happy ending. Like she didn't like run off and fall in love with the guy, but she got to not be all that embarrassed about it by the end. And And that to me feels like the difference. The date felt like, you know, the old show uh, in a good way. And also the auction part. It, it, it felt like the show, like what we know. I want to like Lisa Todd Wexley and her husband, but that whole long extended thing with the microphone it was, was a waste. Yeah, not it, funny. No, it could have been done in like two seconds. Yeah, it, it didn't need that much time. And the whole—it's just over and over again. The whole point with Charlotte and this character is: I hope this character likes me. Oh my God, have I embarrassed myself in front of this? Oh, I've learned a lesson. They're just like me. Like we did that with the dinner party thing, and then we're doing it again where oh, right, other right, couples right. fight too. Well. I would have hoped you'd learned that after 25 years of marriage that other couples fight too. Like that's right. I just wasn't a very interesting. They don't seem to know what to do with Charlotte. It's not a very interesting. None of her storylines have been interesting. They should have tried. I don't know. It might've been interesting for her to return to work after all this time, you know, like her kids are starting to move on and maybe she got bored. And I actually thought maybe they were doing that with the art conversation she had a couple of episodes ago. Maybe they'll do it. Who knows? But they, she's not doing anything. Um, That's the thing. When I talk about the grimness of middle age with this show is um, 
Like you've got someone like Miranda striving and and studying new things and everything, but they make it all so tense and humiliating for her all the time. So there's never anything triumphant about what she's doing with her life. Um, And the same thing up until this episode, I was really annoyed that that, um, they weren't showing Carrie writing or even implying, like there weren't a lot of Sarah Jessica Parker voiceovers implying that she was writing, which... I guess was fairly deliberate and I understand your husband what and you're a widow and everything like I'm not saying she should get out there and be ambitious but she has always felt directionless in this new series like completely directionless and I understand okay you're a widow but I was glad to see that they had her back right Ex- all I would have liked is expressing an idea like I need to get back to my writing or, or which something. is yeah. literally now that I am a published author let me tell you that is 98% of what all writers say and think all the time. I need to get back to that. I need to finish that. So I would have found that a little a little bit more of that. Because you can't tell me, really, you just do a podcast? Right. And that's it? Like, uh, that's it. Like, people don't write books anymore? They like, actually... That's the idea here? They did something in the very opening minutes of the series where Carrie was taking pictures of people and they were talking about her Instagram and how it, quote-unquote, took off. That's a purely Carrie Bradshaw thing. Like, I would love it if she was some sort of influencer and she was doing shit, like recording Instagram lives and stuff like that. Carrie would, like, ex-Vogue writer, former best-selling author, she would absolutely be a lifestyle influencer. I I totally agree. New York, you know. But you can't Wealthy New York, you know, not a housewife, but you know what I mean. But people in their 50s, they don't know how to use their phone. Yeah, it's just grimness. Grim, grim, grimness, and everything is humiliation and... And um, now we get to Miranda and Steve. Well, first off, Che reared their head again in the storyline, and they they remain a terrible character. And the writers of the show just must love them because they they gave them another five minutes of stand up, which was completely unfunny stand up about how great they are. Yes, and I hope people understand that we're talking about the character here, uh, Shay Diaz, not Sarah Ramirez. Sarah Ramirez, yeah, they're great. I haven't yeah. seen their stand up or anything like that, but Che uh, Diaz is a terrible character, and right. if you want them to be this magnetic personality who's also really funny, you gotta write them some funny lines. Instead, every time they've been up on stage, it's all about how great they are. How confident they are, they're how great the, their life is. And I'm like, this isn't funny. To me, they're always obnoxious and pompous and, and just horrible. Like, I no, I don't like the character at all. There are millions of queer uh, stand-up right. comics out there right. that talk about their queerness and are hilarious about it. So it's not like they can't do this, but the writing for that character is awful. Which is what makes it so difficult to buy Miranda's whole obsession with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, okay. I mean, and I know it's based on um, Cynthia Nixon's own life, and I feel I think she sort of argued for this direction for the character. So okay, I I didn't know that. Hmm, interesting. <clears throat> That's my understanding. Um, but I just think it's handled so badly. She, in order to make this work for the audience, they are um, asking you to believe that and completely unlikable character is magnetically on you know charismatic and they have to take a character that pretty much everyone always loved steve and turn him into this unrecognizable look don't read too much into this because i'm not talking about us but marriages 
they fade and 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 passion fades and you grow apart from each other. And there's a million ways to tell that story thoughtfully, especially when it's between two characters who you know used to be passionately in I love. I know, I know. There's a million ways to tell that story. Instead, they turned him into Grandpa Simpson. Like, he's just this freaking idiot who doesn't know how to do any he's deaf he doesn't know how to do anything he doesn't they, he's forgotten how to have sex like there's you didn't have to turn this guy into such a an a idiot joke. yeah and the problem i had but not the problem but the thing that i thought made the one steve scene in this episode so ridiculous is at the farmer's market where she uh, introduces steve to her friend her professor and he's, ah, ah, pickles, and I lost my wallet. I can't find anything. <laughs> and then he's like, I got to go run and find my wallet. And he dashes off, and the camera's at mostly a full shot. And he is in spectacular shape. shape. He's yeah. in, like, a tight little jeans and everything. And he does this little jerking run. And I'm like, they're trying to cast him as this old man. And, I mean, he's 57. They could do a lot with that. He's not young. But, unfortunately, this guy is clearly in fantastic shape. Now, I know they did the... um. Uh, David Eichenberg, the actor, also uh, argued to have his... He has hearing loss. Right. Um, and they argued to put that in. And that's fine. But I, I, as someone who actually does have hearing loss, I, I don't think I've ever admitted this on this. Maybe I have. Um, why are they tying his hearing loss to his loss of ability to make her come? Like, come on. Like, this is just... Right. You. There are so many ways you could show two people growing apart. And... Um, the original Sex in the City was actually really good at showing relationships that should have worked but didn't work um, because the writing was much more nuanced. And now it's like, well, we want to make Cynthia, I mean, we want to make Miranda queer. So um, Steve is an idiot uh, and socially backwards and just can't do anything anymore. And she meets this person who for whatever reason, makes her just drop everything. I'm not mad that um, Miranda's cheating on Steve. I'm not mad. That happens, especially happens when when straight married people discover their own queerness. Sometimes that road out of the closet means you got to break some hearts and you got to cheat. Uh, so I'm not, it's not a moral thing for me. It's just a badly supported right, right. thing. I, I That's a very good point to make. It, there's nothing, it's not, not about moral being, you know, anything no. here. Uh, we're not, offended or <laughs> horrified no. by anything here. It's just badly written yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. And this need to show these characters that, like they can't do anything at the age of 50. Right. I mean, it's or 50-ish. And whatever. they alluded, because I wondered this about everyone's jobs. They finally, oh, they showed that Steve still owns a bar in Brooklyn. And I'm like, I don't care if you're 60. If you're a bar owner in Brooklyn, you're not some doddering old fool. You've got to work hard and stay on top of things. So, uh, you know, he's like, ah, I can't my wallet this guy runs a bar has been running a bar in brooklyn for 30 years and like come I on i keep bringing this up and this is new york if you ever been to new york right people do not act like that even not even when they're old right uh, right no the the survival instincts in new york i right. mean you have to no i mean no you have to bring it uh right. you, you no it it doesn't work you can't survive in new york if you're like oh my god where's my wallet no it doesn't um it doesn't work I don't know if I have anything else to say. I thought, uh, I think the Carrie stuff mostly works. Um, I think the Charlotte stuff getting is, better. is inoffensive for the most part, but it just hasn't been interesting. That whole argument with Harry was, 
we've barely seen Harry through the whole series, and this is what you're going to do? You're going to spend an episode on this? Like, right. she About wouldn't say, apology, I'm sorry. Yeah. During, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, he had to mention during tennis, I'm an old Jew on the... Like, everyone's got to mention how old they are all the time. This is what I mean. Like, Golden Girls did not... They did not sit around talking right. about being old all the time. And, and this is it uh, uh, about Stanford? So he just... My understanding is there wasn't much they could do. Um, Willie Garson was not committing to the series because I think he had other he had another series. Same thing with David Eigenberg. He's on like Chicago Fire, one of those I things. See. Um, and then he got sick, and and oh, he see. had to pull mm-hmm. out of episodes. And I don't think they. I think everything we're saying was handled while he was still a lot. Like they just knew right, he wasn't right, coming right. back, so they were going to write him out and make Anthony the new. Uh, you know, Stanford. Right, and but, so, so Anthony's filling that role fine, but they did a bad job with it. But it, you don't wake up and where's my husband and you never mentioned it again. I mean... They did. I mean, they, he, yeah. went, he ran off to Japan. Okay. It was, but, uh, no. Uh, God, no. I understand why they didn't... I mean, for Carrie to lose big and Stanford in the same season would be the most depressing... I mean, you can't kill that character off uh, in the same season. And I always come to this point sometimes when we talk about these sorts of things is that you have to remember that the that was their co-worker and they all knew him for 20 years you can't ask them to act out a funeral scene that quickly like maybe they'll touch on it next season if there is one but i'm not mad that they haven't handled willie garson's death because it may have been too hard for them right. to handle it yeah um but they this whole running off to japan thing is just dumb um uh, and here we've talked about all the white women on the show and haven't talked about any of the other women on the show. But in our defense, the show does treat them peripherally. It's very difficult to get really into their storylines. Right. Her her law professor, it's just literally the same conversation every time. Which is a shame because I really like the actor. Uh, I like both Karen of them, Pittman. actually. She's really good. And I love, I mean, she's good. She's yeah. engaged. And, um, but there's not much there. That, yeah. And I don't mean to make, I'm not, not making light of a fertility storyline at all. No. And the struggles that that character would be feeling. But... Um, They've done nothing with it. They've it's just really a lot of spinning wheels on that on that conversation. So I don't feel engaged with it. Like I said, the the Lisa Todd Wexley and her husband are they're fabulous. Um, but I haven't I just don't feel all that right. engaged with them right. either. And Seema, Sarita Chowdhury showed up to be the Samantha in one um restaurant I hope she's scene. not gone i mean i hope she's back. well they gave her some lines and everything and that you know she was you know basically sitting in samantha's seat doing the samantha lines about men and how who's good in bed and everything so we'll say she's she's a i love her uh she was interviewed i forget what magazine and she she was thrilled that there was a, like a, a restaurant scene she's like oh my god i'm gonna sit with him and, yeah. and drink something that must be fun like for the old actress. Yeah. yeah i mean like that was so odd. i love her she's such a great actress um so i don't know those are our thoughts on and just like that you heard my nerdy thoughts on a bunch of nerdy yeah. tv shows would love to hear what you guys think about all of those Lorenzo, what's the name of the show again? Oh my God! The oh, now you you put oh, you anyway. on the spot. I know you always do that. The, the daughter something. Hold on, 
Uh, oh, the girl from Oslo. Now <laughs> you sound tower. like Steve Brady. Oh, oh my God, where's my, my wallet? Where's my wallet? Anyway. The girl from Oslo. <laughs> yeah, the girl this from pizza Oslo. Pizza tastes like garbage. <laughs> that was the best. You have to explain. Someone tweeted. No, that. I'm not going to explain. If you know, you know. I know, it's but a at least... Sex in the City deep cut. No, I'm not going to explain. But someone tweeted. So, uh, <laughs> our uh, Alex Abad Santos, who wrote that piece, he yeah. tweeted, and "This pizza tastes like garbage." Because it dead on. I mean, if you watch the show, if yeah. you're a fan of the show, you get the joke. Anyway, would love to hear what all yes. y'all think of everything we just said here today and, and once awards, again yes. and oh yeah in the second words once again we thank you for listening and we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes across their desk so until then take care of yourselves love you mean it bye-bye bye